Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, best-selling author, award-winning businesswoman, motivational and leadership speaker who requires only one name, Pegeen. Hey, what you drink? I know you are still reeling from the last conversation you just had. Uh, and you heard some amazing conversation about leadership, about whiskey, and about jazz from just one of my really, really good friends. But I'm going to hit you with some top shelf here. This is going to be a top shelf conversation because I'm going to share with you one of the friends that I get to hang out with on a weekly basis. And I'm just, I'm just like, just honored and amazed that I get to count this person as a member of my contact list. But wait, there's more. She is with you here today. This is the speaker who only requires one name. Pegeen, welcome to Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership. Come on into the room. Welcome, welcome. Oh, I'm so happy to be here with you. I have to tell you, first off, I'm going to tell you what I'm experiencing as I walk into this room. You know, I'm experiencing, you know, the leather chairs. I'm experiencing the beautiful, beautiful mahogany bar. Over there behind is that beautiful glass shelf with the most beautiful etched rock glasses that are waiting and those stones made to absorb, give you the coldness, but not water down the whiskey. Oh, and over there on that stage, do you see him? Do you hear her? The best of the best playing their music. So Galen, I am walking and I look amazing. <sighs> Just say, I am dressed amazing. I look amazing. I am ready to be here. And what is that over there to right? Are those some of the leaders that we need to talk? Oh, we are so going to have some fun because look at them. They're calling us over, Galen. We got to go over there and just hang out with them. See, you guys, I mean, this is what you're going to get. This is what you're going to get. We're going to get into her background. But, you know, when you hear these speakers, when you hear leaders on stage talking about, uh, you know, how to improve your life, and things that you can do to move your organization forward. There's some pretty good dudes out there. There's some pretty good ladies out there. I fancy myself to be, you know, a little better than I. But Pegeen is like amongst the group that is literally the best to do it right now. And so we're going to get into that. I've got just tons of questions about your Hall of Fame speaking career and your the focus that you put on so many leaders from U.S. presidents to generals to, I mean, uh, we, we got a lot of questions. But the first question, and uh, I've stopped saying that this is the most important question because people have just told me to stop saying that because they already know. But I'm going to go ahead and let's get in. Let's get into it. On the count of three, one, two, three. So, so what you drinking? 
Ooh. So you may think that your drink is smooth and easy and all that. But my drink, when you put it in your mouth and you savor it, what you do here is the snap, crackle, pop of bubbles. And then you, you savor it a little longer. And then you hear this, you taste this creamy, creamy taste. And then it goes down your throat. And here's what best I know. When it's all done and complete, I haven't put on a pound. I'm not getting a sugar high. I'm not even getting drunk because I'm drinking Coke Zero Cream Soda. That's what I'm drinking. <laughs> all right. All right. Boy, I tell you, that that's a commercial. That, that's a commercial. I, you know, I know some folks who know some folks who might want to like capture this, you know, and for the right price. I'm sure we could accommodate. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And they <laughs> should because that's what it does. Hold on a minute. Let me take a sip. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What All right. Drinking? Well, hey, to, to hold true to my branding on this podcast. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with some whiskey. Uh, I know everyone's shocked. I know everyone's just absolutely amazed. But yeah, I'm gonna drink whiskey on whiskey, jazz, and leadership. Not, not only any whiskey, because people know that I put a lot of thought into my selection based upon my guest. Right? There has to be a, there has to be a, a theme. There has to be a string that I could pull through. So, you know, I, I came across uh, this selection. Actually, like four or five years ago, uh, when I had just gotten pretty strong into whiskeys and actually started shopping for specific whiskeys, and I came across Ridgemont 1792. Now, you guys listening, you you know, if you go back to my conversations with, with KP Westmoreland and a couple of others, you know that I've got this list that I received when I was in San Francisco uh, from this bartender and the whiskeys that they said that he said that I needed to try before I die. This was on the list. It was Ridgemont 1792, but wait, there's more. Not only is this Ridgemont 1792, but this is the foolproof. And the reason I selected the foolproof 1792 is because this was actually ranked as the number one whiskey of the year when I, again, when I started shopping for it. So this is like four or five years ago. Uh, and it was, it was the whiskey of the year. And then all of a sudden you couldn't find it anywhere. And then if you did have it, you know, everyone was like, oh, you got 1792 foolproof. So I just continued to capture it because I really like it. So that's what I'm going to go with today. Let's, let's go ahead and I'm going to crack this open. Let's see. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and just pour me just a little bit because this is the real. I see why this is the whiskey of the year. Uh, but while I jump into this. Wait, how does it smell? Don't do that. Oh, just my gosh. Tell me what it smells like. You know, I've got just, I mean, it's a very strong bouquet. It, it has just a little bit of caramel, maybe a little cherry that I'm picking up. But then there's this hint that says, all right. That's basically what the hint's saying. The hint is just saying, all right, you know, mm. you can hit this hard if you want to, but I got something for you. 
and swirl it because it's beautiful. The color is beautiful. But see, that that's really kind of my experience when I get to hang out with you, Pagin, that there there are these colors, there are these flavors, and you can appreciate the smoothness, but there seems to be this 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 hint around the corner of all right, let's not let's not get too carried away because we can we can go we can go right, but we can go left too if we need to. So while I enjoy this this liquid expression of Pagin, I would love for you to share with the audience just a little bit about who you are and your background and all those accolades that you try not to talk about. I'm going to ask you to talk about them because I want people to get a sense as to why your appearance on this podcast is really kind of a big deal for me. And so just talk a little bit about your background and, and uh, so we can get into this conversation. So you're giving me permission to give accolades. So um, let me start with one of the most profound times that I can talk about in my life was I had been contracted with some someplace called uh, the, the Washington Headquarters Service that produces major events for the White House and the Pentagon. My client my main client was the White House, and I produced an event. My MC was uh, Tom Selleck. My keynote speaker was President Obama. The guest on the main stage was, of course, Mrs. Obama, Obama, uh, Vice President Biden, Joe, Dr. Biden, all Joint Chiefs of Staff. And I had 10,000 Vietnam veterans in the audience and all branches of the military, the army, the army band, the marine band, all kinds of social security. And uh, I had a team of 2,000 people doing this event that I had hired. So, and just so you know, when I'm looking at, you say that I'm looking at things, I see things. So one of the things that I looked at in that day was they had ordered, the military had ordered black leather chairs to be on the stage of a day that was 90 degrees where the guests were going to sit down. Now, if you ever have ever sat in a leather chair, a black leather chair in the heat, that's been sitting out there frying, you get a sense of how hot that's gonna be. Well, I knew that Mrs. Obama and Joe Biden were wearing these, these little summer shifts. They were going to burn. And so I had my team take white shirts, extra t-shirts that we had, put them in ice water and put them on the chairs. So that just before you heard, dun, 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 they would come out and they would sit on it. They wouldn't scald themselves of the heat. And I was thinking, wow, how often has that happened that they've allowed themselves to get burned? So I, I, I'm going to go with my life has been about how do I protect myself from being burned because I tend to put myself out there and I tend to put myself out there in a couple of different ways. So I did grow up in New York City. You can tell from my voice and my accent. I, I love the way that you described. Are you left or are you right? You know, in terms of making decisions, uh, I, I look like one of those piano 
things that go tick tock to keep the beat because on half the side I was as I was in the orchestra, I was in the Girl Scouts, I was in doing all that. The other half, I was uh, a rebel. I never went to school. I was in a girls' gang, and uh, I was a troublemaker. Kicked out of my first high school and, and uh, graduated my second high school. The second high school was pretty cool because I went to school with all the mafiosa of New York back then, Don Persico, and all that. So I, and it was a small class, and so we only had 10. It was the only school that that would accept me. My school, I went, my high school year was me meeting in this class of 10 with five bodyguards sitting in the back of us, which were the Don's bodyguards. So these were not, these were not like Secret Service guys. These were, these were, these were real mafioso. Anyway, ended up deciding that I needed to change my life. And I decided that to go to Spain because I had a teacher who said, you're Puerto Rican, your family's Puerto Rican, you should be proud of where you came, but you don't speak Spanish, you should learn to speak Spanish. So she said that when I was 14 and when I was 17 and a half and wanted to leave, I just put five countries in the house, house the hat, uh, picked one and it was Spain. And I went to Spain when I was 17 and a half, not with a group, not with an education crew, nothing like that. I went and when you're 17 and a half and you have a thousand dollars in your possession, that does not last long. And so I didn't have a ticket back because I decided that I was going to go and make it. So if I had a return ticket, I'd be able to get home. And while there, I tried to find a job, couldn't find a job. My mom was a school teacher. I had been in a nursing school paraprofessional part-time. And so I decided to open my first bilingual nursing school. I ended up in three. And back then, the dictatorship of Franco collapsed and everybody wanted to be a hippie. So I decided to sell hippie skirts. And I sold them at night and went to the streets and sold them and sold out all the time. And a major store, kind of like a Macy's, it's called El Corte Inglés, came in and saw my patterns and said, can I buy the pattern? Of which I didn't have any. I was just doing it off the top of my head. And I said, yes. So I went home and I cut out a pattern. I didn't know what I was doing. I just made it up. And I they sold it. And it was a number hit, number one hit that year in Spain, a fashion ended up dating somebody that was really a horrible person and had to come home uh, left everything there, sold the business, came to the States and worked myself away from receptionist to uh, top salesperson to national sales manager to head of operations. And I worked with companies like Pierre Cardin, Gantt, uh, Above the Belt Street Scenes, Evan Rude Motors, and uh, became director of operations and then president of a direct sales company. And then I just found myself you know, the, the CEO said, well, if we lost the business, what would you do? And I said, I'm going to go back to get my master's in social work because of two very specific things. I had no idea what social work was. But what I was fascinated was, what do people do to help or hinder themselves from going after leadership, from being their highest best? And what do organizations do that help or hinder, hinder people from saying, yes, I want to? And I was specifically focused on and curious about women and, and minorities because I was always the only woman. I was certainly the only Latina. But at the same time, there was other one black woman that worked in the company. She was a designer. And, you know, just just made me really think, why? 
And I wasn't, I didn't know anything about systemic this or systemic that. I just was curious about why, because I was trying to hire people and people go, no, no, no. Oh, I can't do that. Oh no. And yet in the same time, I knew that if I bought them in, I would have to give a lot of support and help because it was horrible. It was horrible being the only woman there. I mean, I heard a lot of, I got really thick skin. Let me tell you, I don't need to drink with it. I was, I, I, I was the whiskey. I was thick <laughs> skin. You know, I used to, I learned a long time ago that to take baths with olive oil so that you, whatever you say just is going to slide right <laughs> off. I love it. I love it. And then I did the social work thing and I, I created something called the kitchen co- coaching. And I led this big organization and Montel Williams heard about it heard about the successes of Montel bought me to speak on when he had his big show. And this was years ago, he was like the number one. And so I went on his show and if you know, Montel Williams, he talks a lot and he was talking to me. I went, Montel, can you please? And I put my hand up in front of his face and Montel, will you please be quiet so I can do my work? And he has an image of him putting his hands up, you know, giving a face like, whoa. And I did, but that's when he won. That show was when he won his first Emmy. Mm. And I went on to do 32 shows with him. He got me into every talk show except for Oprah and Jerry Springer. But every show in between I was on. And he's the one that said, nobody talks like you. Nobody acts like you. Nobody thinks like you. You need to be a speaker. And I had no clue what he was talking about. But he used his connections to get me started mm-hmm. in the speaking. And that's how I got into speaking. And then over the years, my clientele has been, I do 15% of the Fortune 500 are my clients repeat business, 12% of direct sales, direct sales associations, global network. I, I speak to 10% of their top companies, all branches of the military. I specialize in recruitment, retention, and engagement of, for the military, it was recruitment, retention, and engagement of women and people of color. And in the corporate, it's all about leadership. So everything is about leading because people do, you know, we've heard the quote, people don't leave organizations, they leave people. Mm-hmm. And so in my work and my research and my time and my intention and my focus and my excitement is leaders, you got to take care of yourself. Leaders, you got to serve people and leaders, you have to just know you're, you're it. It stops with you and you don't need, and when I say leadership, let me just be clear. Clear, Galen, you don't need the title of leader to be a leader. Mm. You just got to know that you're called to lead. Uh, we're going to, oh my gosh, we got to get into that. We got to get into that. So, hey, let, let, let's get into that right now because one of the things that just really jumps out at me now, even more so than when. When you know when you and I first started talking about this conversation, I like whiskey, jazz, and leadership literally. I like all three of them literally, but I also like each of them metaphorically. So for me, whiskey is about doing what you enjoy with people that you enjoy, regardless of whether other folks like it or not. So it's just kind of showing up the way you show up. Jazz is this metaphor for. How do you get from where you are to where you want to be when there's no sh- when there's no sheet music and everything's not spelled out? And leadership 
just comes like every other word out of my mouth seems to be leadership or some sort of leadership principle. I can't get away from it because I believe like you were getting, like you were saying, I believe that every success and every failure begins and ends with leadership. No one eats unless somebody kills something. And I know that you are a vegan. And so I'm still comfortable saying you got to kill a plant. Somebody's got to kill a plant. Oh, don't, don't, don't ever. <laughs> if someone, if someone's going to eat. <laughs> never take me as somebody that's not going to kill you. you, you <laughs> if you've never seen my crazy eyes, never mess with my people. <laughs> never, ever discount me because I am very clear. Everybody, so my family knows this, everybody that's around me knows this. You know, if we were ever attacked for something, right? And I'm like doing this, just know I'm the one. I know it. Everybody knows it. I'm the one that's going to organize everybody in the apartment. Everybody get over here, down, let's go down. Come on, we're over here. We're going this way. Now watch out, put your heads down. Come on, I got you over here. No, 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 no. What will you think? Hey, get down. Come on, you got it. I am here. I'm the one that's going to take charge. You emit that. So that's very, very clear to everyone in the room. But I, I want to double back to the jazz part because your story that you just shared with me really does exemplify the metaphor of jazz that's running in my head where you just basically said yes, right? And, you know, people show up and they say, you know, hey, look, we want your patterns. And you're like, okay, cool. And then you go figure it out. And, you know, you, you feel like you need to leave the country. You put, put names in a hat and you pull one out, Spain. Okay, let's go and you, you figure it out. Uh, so for me, that's, that's jazz. So help me with this metaphor that, I'm, that I keep playing with, whiskey, jazz, leadership. How does that fit for you? So it's, so, it's beautiful. Can I just jump in here for a minute? It, it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful because so let me just go to this whiskey, whiskey, jazz, and leadership, because I think that there is a really important string that goes in. So whiskey, you have a choice. Are you the connoisseur that's going to savor it and understand it? Are you going to look for the nuances? Are you going to understand the, it's not a lot, it's a little of richness, Right. Or you can be this the person that's going to abuse it, that's going to take it and dig down the whole thing and fall into a place of negativity that's going to make you drown in it, right? And you're not going to appreciate it. But to be truly a connoisseur is to notice the, the richness, the subtleties. What I love about jazz is, and you probably don't know it, so, so my cousin that I grew up with, he's a musician, he's been on Broadway, he and and his wife and now ex-wife is a jazz musician. And his kids are both jazz musicians. And my niece, um, Raina, just has her new album out. So Raina Gonzalez Sokoloff, just look her up. Her album is out and she's amazing. But what I've learned about jazz is the nuances the way that the the music flows and the creativity and what 
you may or may not know, you know, so I've written music. And the reason I wrote music for me and the reason I've put together songs for my my work is because I see the nuances of life that nobody's talking about. I feel the nuances. I it's like so with music, you could put music together to feel to cook, to compel you, to, to grow you, to expand you, to, to infuse in your soul. And the music touches your soul way more than anything you could read. You remember a song, you remember a moment, you know, for my parents, my mom remarried and she, she's passed away, but you know, Shirley Bassey, I grew up with, he loves me, hates me, loves me, hate me. And the world is going you know, the, the, these songs that I heard, you know, that, that we grew up, you know, my one of the gifts that I gave them was to go see Frank Sinatra when he, his last show mm. and in Madison Square Garden. And just like whiskey, you know, there's there's resonance in the voice. There's mm. movement in the words. There's magic happening. There's magic in it all. And and I do believe that every musician feels that whatever genre they're in, they feel the soulfulness, the magic of it, the the depth, the breath of it. And so what does that mean to leadership? I think that leadership, most people don't want to invest the time to understand the beauty of being a leader, the beauty of that soulful calling that is so soft and so compelling. It's why you raise your hand. It's why when you leave a room, they'll say, you know, Galen will do it. It's you have this essence, this magnificence within you. And just like we spoke about with the whiskey, you know, there's a left and a right. Are you getting so caught up in the numbers and the tasks, the productivity that you're losing the essence of you as a leader to be influential, to be impactful, to inspire, to grow your team and see their nuances. I mean, that's the beauty of being a leader is that you can, you can grow those individuals around you because you believe in the individuals around you. You see their abilities. And if somebody is annoying you and somebody is just driving you crazy, the first step of that is not to go to them, but to go within and see what is it about that person that's triggering me. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guest and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.